0: Raptors show on Sportsnet 590. The fan reminder: We're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from two to three p.m. I'm your host Wayne Lou, and this being Wednesday, I am joined by Vivek Jacob, Raptors.com, friend of the program, friend of the community, just good dude overall. V, are you going down to uh, the the mysterious press conference down at OVL today? I will
1: be. We will see who is there, mm. who's ready and waiting for us. Do you want me to ruin the surprise for you? <laughs> no, I'm kidding, man. We all know it's going to be Otto Porter Jr.
0: Yeah, there we go. Yeah, I was a little surprised. They just kind of like, uh, usually, you know, Raptors PR were like sent on an email and it'll be like availability with. And it was just like, there's I mean, not enough the headline? drama in Raptors land right now. Yeah, yeah. The, the headline officially said media advisory dash. Availability with free agent signee. And then even in the uh, the details of the email, did not say who it was going to be. But, uh, I mean, come on. We knew who it was. Mm. Otto Porter Jr. But uh, imagine, though. Imagine at 4 o'clock, they're just like, hey, Kevin Durant's going to be here. You know? <laughs> That'd be cool. I mean, so we're saying that that's bought out Kevin Durant? <laughs> honestly, it depends, man. Joe Sides seems to be moving. Uh, he's frustrated, man. <laughs> what, honestly... Um, Obviously, this is not going to happen. But let's say no team in the league was willing to trade for Kyrie. Do you, do you think you would have tried to buy out Kyrie, man? Oh my goodness. Oh man. I, Just based on how much think... Josiah apparently and reportedly, and also very obviously, dislike this whole situation.
1: Yeah, I mean, if it were completely up to him, I wouldn't rule it out. Mm. I would imagine that Sean Marks would just talk some sense into him and say, hey, there's at least some kind of trade value to be gained here. Um, And, you know, maybe you end up just doing that Russell Westbrook deal and try to get a couple picks out of it. But, yeah, (laughs) I I don't think uh, Sai is about to just let Kyrie Irving off the hook like that
0: no no
1: um
0: okay we're not here to talk about Kyrie. we're here to talk about what we have been talking about for like i don't know man four shows straight which i i don't think there's been any signs your rent there's no signs of stopping this i'm sorry like i know people on the raptors fan base are probably like still very interested in this probably eventually like we're probably gonna reach the point maybe later this week uh where you would want to hear about anything else and look in, in all fairness to myself we did do an entire interview on Christian Coloco and his time mm-hmm. in Arizona with his uh, associate head coach, Jack Murphy, yesterday. It was a great interview. I really enjoyed it. Shared a lot of insights. Obviously, all of it was positive because, you know, that's his coach. But I think there were, there's just a lot of good background there. Uh, and you know what? I just think that, uh, you know, there are other things to talk about. However... It's hard to talk about anything else when this possibility is out there. And so my thought coming into today's show, because it's obviously daily, is just is there another angle to talk about this same topic? And (laughs) for me, the angle I came up with was two angles. Number one, I kind of want to go through the Raptors roster as is and look at in terms of which players would have the most trade value and rank that. And go through that ranking with you and then afterwards if we still got some time left over i wanted to look at what are the other trade packages out there that the raptors might be competing with uh you know given the reporting and you know it's to be honest we haven't see, like heard like firm reporting on these things it's not like this team is offering this this team is offering this but we obviously know that what what, what did it say after <laughs> kevin Durant made his uh, uh trade request i think half the league called him Called up the Nets mm-hmm. and uh, offered some deals, so we'll we'll look at some of the best trade packages. But let's start with that Raptors trade assets ranked. So Vivek, go ahead. Who is the number one trade asset
1: on the team? Well, the number one trade asset is Scotty Barnes. It's just mm-hmm. he is pretty much untouchable. So I whether that's <laughs> whether that's worth even putting him on the list uh, is debatable. And I guess the other side of this is his salary. And so that also adds to the fact that he should be untradeable because, say, for example, in this hypothetical Kevin Durant deal that involves that would, that would involve Scotty Barnes, you are going to have to give up a couple more of your core. And then it's like just outrageous, right? Like You're not giving up Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. Um, you're not going to be a championship contender w- with that trade. So, um, yeah, you follow that up with... Uh, Pascal Siakam, uh, then OG Ananobi, Fred Van Vliet, Gary versus Precious, I I think is interesting. I think because of the numbers, it's easier to obviously work a Gary deal than it is a Precious deal because mm-hmm. uh, of the contracts. So you probably put Gary ahead of Precious, but you know, in terms of ceiling, uh, you'd probably say that Precious has the higher ceiling at this point in their careers.
0: Okay, that's that's interesting that you made that list, because to me, the only disagreement I would have is I would still have Fred over OJ Anobi. Mm. And so actually, we have a good sense of what OG's trade value would be, or at least a floor, because obviously he was involved. um, At least Portland was trying to make those overtures and it was a number seven pick. It was expiring salary, honestly, a pretty good player. And Josh Hart, like definitely a rotation player for a good team. You know, young enough, obviously as well. And whether you believe the reports or not, potentially another pick that was in the future, or maybe uh, another prospect. Let's just say two picks, right? I kind of, and we know that that was essentially turned down, or the Raptors didn't even really entertain it to, to that degree. Obviously, OG's still on the roster, and so clearly they valued him more than that. But we can kind of say that's the floor. Do you think that same package right now would be able to? Would you do that for Fred? Or would the Raptors even do that for Fred? Because I would say no.
1: Um, so you are saying just replacing OG with Fred, uh, with Gary and and the picks? No, I am saying uh, in this sort of like
0: you know uh, again the, the the trade assets sort of ranked. Um, your yeah. ranking had it: Scotty, Pascal, OG, Fred, Gary, Precious, and Gary Precious is yeah. sort of like close to me. I I would yeah. I would saw Fred and OG. Because if I were trying to make a trade with the Raptors, you look at a guard who has made the all-star team, a guard who can has obviously won the championship, um, a, a great presence to have in your locker room, someone who could come in and, and stabilize things for you. Um, I, I, I would value that more than OG
1: right now. Yeah, I think that's interesting. I think the side that I'm coming at it from is there are probably teams on the outside looking at OG and saying there's more... Uh, potential to be realized there. And the value of uh, a wing player in this league Mm -hmm. uh, is probably higher than what Fred is uh, in terms of his physical prototype. And so uh, I think there are teams that will be more tantalized by that prospect than a Fred Van Vliet. Although, you know, Fred obviously brings tremendous three-point shooting, the leadership, uh, you know, he's a culture setter, a tone setter. Playmaker. Those are things... Yep. Those okay. are things that uh OG doesn't necessarily bring to the table. So it depends. I, I would say it's it's almost based on organizational need. Mm. Um Yeah, fair, fair.
0: It's close enough where you gotta consider that. Although I have to say yeah. though, Fred is very much the more accomplished player right now. Like there's not a debate about that. Oh, and yeah, he's that's one hundred percent.
1: There's there's no debate about that. I just think if you're weighing up a guy who's 24 versus the guy who's 28, how much is left in Fred's ceiling uh, as a player versus how much is left in OG's theoretical ceiling. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're a team, say, for example, Brooklyn, looking to sort of build from the ground up, if you trade Kevin Durant, uh, then I could see them sort of saying, hey, we like the prospect uh, and the timeline of having O.G. on board rather than Fred VanVleet fair enough fair enough would you have done and defensively yeah if you have Ben Simmons and O.G. Ananobi together if Ben Simmons is on the court I mean that's that's pretty tempting yeah fair enough it's a big if actually by the way Brooklyn if they just brought back all the players and uh
0: somehow got them to get along would be a nice team but uh nevertheless it's not happening apparently um yeah just hypothetically that trade proposal mm-hmm. that Portland had put out for OG, um, would you have done that deal for the Raptors if it was offered for Fred instead? Obviously, it wouldn't have been. You know, they they weren't trying to pair Dame with Fred, but just hypothetically, would you have done that deal? Because for me, I'm still saying no, man. I need more than that. Essentially, two firsts.
1: Yeah, uh, I would not. It, so it was what it, the number seven pick, Josh Hart, mm-hmm. and then another pick. Yeah. I, Probably not. Yeah. I think in terms of what uh, Fred Binks brings to the table, uh, to not have that leader on board makes it difficult, right? I think uh, even when you're evaluating a Kevin Durant deal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. anything that involves Fred, you have to assess what the team culture is look going to look like, what the leadership in the locker room is going to look like. Right. Obviously, Pascal made big strides there, but when you look at the way... Things went the other way in brooklyn you want someone in that locker room who is going to hold the fort Mm. and and so i think that's where fred really has crucial value to the raptors and you have to evaluate those things as well yeah no doubt
0: and again i have to say he is also just a better player right now i think that's that's also significant yeah. in this discussion. He, okay, uh, Gary versus Precious. That one's interesting to me because I think, obviously, long-term-wise, you probably prefer Precious. The thing is, like, while making a trade, it's not just about, like, which player you like or which player's future you like. It's also about, um, w- w- like, their contracts, right? And it's hard to just trade mm-hmm. for Precious. Like, for example, I've seen a lot of people, like, um, in this discussion of KD, like, hey, what if he threw Precious into the deal? Number one, I actually don't like that. I don't want to see Precious in that deal. I would rather give up a future first than give up Precious right now because he can definitely play mm-hmm. for you right now. You need pieces in your rotation. If you trade multiple starters for KD, you're probably going to need another starter obviously to step in because you're now starter deficient. Precious is the guy that I would most um, be happy to graduate from the bench into the starting five. So I wouldn't move him.
1: But Also, if you trade both Precious and OG in a deal, you're losing both your best one-on-one defenders. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a lot. And
0: you're then all of a sudden, like, immediately looking for a center. like Or not even a center, but like a big man who can kind of hold it down for you defensively. And I'm not even sure if Precious can do that for you over the course of four playoff rounds at this current moment. But I'm definitely sure that if you go into the market right now, just try to trade for one at this point or sign one at this point when most of the free agency is over, um, I don't think that's possible. So I do think you have to hold on to Precious as much as possible. Uh, even if it mm-hmm. means giving up a future pick. Um, but, yeah, Precious makes, like, 2 mil, and and Gary's, like, at 17. Like, it's much easier to trade for Gary than it is to trade for Precious, because especially if you got to match salaries, no like you got to attach other things to Precious. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think the thing with – I think the appeal with Gary, I know a lot of people have mentioned that, you know, he has a player option after next season. He could opt out. I think nowadays, just like when the Raptors traded for him, right, when he had the restricted rights, right, the Raptors traded Norm – for Gary Trent Jr. last season, or I guess two seasons ago in Tampa. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the whole idea was that you were going to retain his rights. I still think that trading for Gary or even trading for OG, who is expiring after next season, uh, you know, has inherent value because you are obtaining their bird rights, especially nowadays in the NBA. Like, I, I really think that that's a huge thing to sort of acquire and also just put aside the fact that Gary, let's say Gary went to Brooklyn, for example, and was like the second or I guess, second or third option, depending on who's left over. Mm-hmm. I don't have any doubts that Gary could probably, you know, score like 20 points per game. I, I don't know how efficient it would be, but I do know that. I mean, uh,
1: Gary's going to be looking in the mirror saying he's the first option.
0: Yeah, that's fair. And, I, you know, there's a real value in that because I think some players need more confidence. I think some players lack confidence. I think Gary has, like, slightly more confidence than he sort of, um, is warranted, but also his abilities really do suggest that he can't score. Well, I mean, this past season, he just averaged 18 points per game, mm-hmm. you know? So, man, they're honestly, the Raptors have a really nice team. This is the other thing I was going to talk about in the second <laughs> half was just like, <laughs> that's if why. we just kept the team together. the the team's pretty good. Cause the reason why the Raptors are mentioned in all these trade talks is because they have a really nice team. They have just enough depth that if you're able to aggregate some of these players together into one player, like KD, you would still have enough level left over to, uh, to contend. But, uh,
1: and that's why they don't have to force the issue, right? Yeah. Like, hey, there's going to be uh, a line that they're not going to want to cross in terms of the depth, the talent on the roster that they believe will be good enough to contend. Mm-hmm. And if there's a deal that goes over that line that gets you KD, they're, they're not going to cross it. Yeah, fair enough. And that, that's the thing too. It's like your are is dealing um, with
0: no actual pressure. Right, exactly as you described. Like you're not desperate to make this trade. I, th- I would I would argue the Raptors were more desperate to make the trade, even back in 2018 when they made the Kawhi trade. And the desperation came from the idea that okay, obviously the Raptors had a nice year, but you have to consider that it was like four or five years running of the the Kyle DeMar core, and they were kind of hitting up against the ceiling. And they win the mm-hmm. they were number one seed in the Eastern Conference, and then they go into the playoffs, and obviously they lose in that exact same fashion to the exact same opponent. And so there was like a, what are we doing? We have to change it up, right? Um, but I they think-
1: had exhausted all their ideas, plans, excuses, everything, yeah, right? Like out every possible way they could have tried to come at the postseason, they tried, mm-hmm. right? That final year was revamping the offense, uh, convincing themselves that, oh, if you get home court against LeBron, it'll be different. And then it was the same. So, yeah. Uh, that's it's it's a far different situation now where you were expected to just you know build off of, you know uh, off of that Tampa experience and just say hey let's get back on track. Instead, you exceeded expectations, got into the playoffs, and so you got actually some additional growth that you weren't expecting by being in the postseason, and now you get to carry that forward. And so this is just just the beginning. Like if anything, you just compare this season to like twenty thirteen, fourteen or yeah, twenty thirteen, fourteen when they went seven games against Brooklyn.
0: Mm. You know what? We owe some we owe Brooklyn some revenge. I gotta say, it's a lot of uh
1: mm-hmm.
0: unfortunate I mean look listen, we've lost twice to the Nets in the playoffs, twenty fourteen, uh, two thousand and uh two thousand 07, yeah, that was the year we lost in the Nets. Um and then obviously the Vince trade. <laughs> I guess just and, and I guess if you really want to throw in like uh, if you really want to throw in the Goron situation, which I don't think ranks anywhere close to these two, but you know, there's uh <laughs> you know, I, there's just some get back, I think, eventually. I, I do think that yeah. the, the Nets organization collectively owes the Raptors a little bit here. Um but uh yeah, okay. So I agree with you. Those are the trade pieces. I, I think the rest of the, the players in the roster, not saying they're not good, but I just think that uh, in terms of in a trade discussion, when you're looking at Thad, Chris Boucher, Otto Porter Jr., Christian Coloco when he signed, Malachi Flynn, Svee Mahalik, Ken Birch, Delano Banton, and then whoever's going to f- take that 15th spot could be Champagny. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't think that uh, they're, like, moving a trade one way or the other, really. I don't really think any of them have negative asset like value, quote unquote, unless you were talking about maybe Kim. Um, but honestly, if he returns back healthy and he makes so his contract is so small that I don't think that it's going to hold up any trade or sort of anything like that. So the team's in a good spot, uh, and uh, it kind of speaks to the roster building that we're having this conversation for Kevin Durant and have all these pieces offered. Um, before we talk about what other packages are out there for the Raptors to compete with? I mean, I'm sure you've been asked this question across different podcasts and everything like that. And I'm sure just you as a fan and as a journalist have been thinking about this quite a bit. What's the best trade offer right now that you would be feel comfortable uh, giving up for Kevin?
1: So basically like a final offer. Um, yeah. Because, I mean, ideally, I think you would like to do the OGN and OB, Gary Trent, Ken Birch bunch of picks and get that done yep um i would imagine <laughs> if the nets were willing to do that it would be done already uh but i think the final limit that i would be willing to go to mm-hmm. is uh pascal gary uh and a couple picks because and picks I, god damn yeah Man, i I, I think maybe yeah I, but let me be clear I'm, I'm not going more than two picks like one ideally okay um Cause, I I do think you know the stuff about Rudy Gobert, yeah. um, and De, and Dejounte Murray. Like, there were no stars going back in those deals.
0: There weren't even like starters going back in those deals.
1: Right. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's Spurs where just bought, the draft just, compensation comes down. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. That that's the piece that people are worrying because people are like, well, we got to throw this trade package in, and then you throw in five picks, and it's like the reason why. Uh, by the way, Minnesota. Uh, Utah did not get five picks. They got four picks, and then the first rounder this year uh, was already used. If you want to call that five picks, I guess you want not call it, but technically they didn't get to choose who that, that that fifth pick is. I think there's a value in actually as an organization being able to choose who that player is. But regardless, you want to say five picks is five picks. Um, they didn't send back, like, enough elsewhere that were, like, starter-level players. I think Patrick Beverly is a, a nice player
1: that obviously if he gets bought out. The best player in the deal is Jared Vanderbilt.
0: Yeah, I mean, honestly, That's the best part of the deal might have been Patrick us. Beverly. I, was, I mean, <laughs> Vanderbilt's uh, decent too, but again, even for a playoff team, I don't think he's starting. I don't think he's like carved out his spot. Like, if you were just to trade Pascal and turn them into picks right now, you probably get what? Honestly, at least three picks, right? At at minimum.
1: Yeah, yep. Yeah.
0: I would say probably. I, mean, got I wouldn't. Three picks, I wouldn't do so. it for three, but I would. You know, four picks. I think will probably be even closer to what his value would be. And then Gary, as well, would at least get you one pick at very minimum. Like, Russell O'Neal got a pick. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? So, yeah, that's that's why this discussion of like. So,
1: you're saying no picks? You're
0: saying. Do, I, if, if that's would the you deal, just I'm, Pascal and Gary? Two starters? No, I'm not giving up a pick. There's just no need. Okay. I, there, I don't think the, this is the thing. This is the conversation. It's good that we had this at first because I don't think when you're looking at the rest of the teams that are offering players, which other team, mm-hmm. what. what Let's say, you know, Pascal is in the deal. And by the way, that has not been reported anywhere. Um, you know, but again, right. you, you have to assume that because this is Kevin Durant of all people, like you, everybody has to be discussed, right? And just because you were discussed yeah. does not mean you're not valued. In fact, it means you're actually valued. And very to be valued. clear,
1: this is like my final, final offer. Yes, right? after this, you're walking away. Done. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, is there a player do you think that's available for the Nets to acquire that would be better than Pascal if he were but available?
1: So this is the other side that I've been thinking about where if the Nets are truly going to take their time with this, Mm -hmm. their best option then is to start shopping Ben Simmons. Yep. Okay. Because if they get Ben Simmons off their roster, then it opens up the possibility for these other teams to enter the picture and make better offers, right? Because so much of the complication we're seeing now is, Because uh, of the designated rookie rule and teams that, you know, Phoenix, for example, Mm -hmm. DeAndre can't be there because Ben Simmons is on the roster. And so um, I think you've got a situation where if you're going to be patient, I think you have to move Ben Simmons and then you open up the possibilities. Because I think one team that would be really interesting that Mm -hmm. isn't in the picture right now is Denver. OK, so Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, they can't be on the same team as Ben Simmons. OK, but if you were if you were Denver, why would you not look to make a Kevin Durant deal if 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 it was feasible? I just is, is that enough?
0: Like, I, I know. I mean, obviously, when healthy, those guys are very good. But Michael Porter Jr. is like a huge question mark health wise. And we all love Jamal here in Toronto. Um, obviously, you know, he's a big part of the Canadian national program. But until I see what he looks like coming off the injury, I I, I don't know. I'd rather I, – I think Pascal has definitively more value than that. And that's the thing, too. I'm just like, in these conversations – I know because Alex is already in the DMs being like, you guys are shopping at SVP prices. This is a Holt Renfrew deal. You got to overpay for this. And I agree, man. This is Kevin Durant. At the same time, the, the idea is not fully – to like put on the scale on one side Kevin Durant and then on the other side enough talent and and picks and assets or whatever to balance the scale for Kevin Durant even though that is technically what you're doing but what you're really doing is making sure that your side of the scale with your assets and your picks are more than any other offer for Kevin Durant yes 100%. you are not you're not trying to match the value for Kevin so much as you are trying to surpass the value that other teams are offering for Kevin, because you know he can't come back. I know Brooklyn is, is kind the of thing posturing I keep about coming this. back to. Yeah, that's the idea. You're not bar, you're not there's bargaining with the store. You're bargaining with the, the next person that's going to buy it. It's an auction, I guess. It's, it's probably there's a big to what difference
1: between making the best offer available mm-hmm. and the best offer possible. Yes, absolutely. If you're making the best offer possible, then absolutely, Scotty Barnes is on the table, and and you know you're just making the best offer possible. Yeah. If and you're trying to make the best not. offer available, then you're just trying to beat out these other teams. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's where you look at the assets and say, okay, this is what works. This is what leaves the Raptors a championship contender. And and if it's not good enough for the Nets, then it's not good enough, and they can just continue to deal with the problem.
0: Yeah. And you know they don't want to deal with the problem. Because I, I made this point on the, the weekend podcast episode with alex it was just like you know Joe Psy is the co-founder of alibaba which is like i don't know if it's bigger than amazon or whatever i don't really keep track of these things but like essentially an amazon scale type of company so you're essentially dealing yeah. with jeff bezos I, I don't think like jeff bezos would of this kind of i i I don't think he would want to deal with this kind of level of problem i don't think he would have this much uh patience for what's going on in Brooklyn the last couple of years. So I think that's the way to think about it. Clearly they can't bring them back. I guess the only thing I'm really concerned about, because like for me, the Suns, Like the more I'm thinking about what the Suns can offer, even if they put everything they possibly can into this deal, they find a taker for Aiden that gets good assets back to Brooklyn, they put in Bridges, uh, they put in five picks, whatever else. Their team left over is not good. Mm-hmm. Even with Kevin on the even if you have Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, and Devin Booker on the roster, and by the way, that would be a very formidable top three. What is the rest of the team around them? Like who else even starts at the other two positions? Is Bismack Byumble starting a center for you? Yeah. Because like I, let's say they keep Jay Crowder. Okay, Jay, Jay Crowder could be the fourth guy. That's that's fine. Who's the fifth guy? You you traded Aiden, JaVale just signed somewhere else. Are you really starting Bismack? And then you're telling me that, that's, that your championship window is 38-year-old Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, and finding out how all that meshes together while having zero depth. Right. So, like, well, I, I don't know yeah. what Phoenix can really do, even though obviously I think KD really wants to go, or has wanted to go there. Even Phoenix. Let's mm-hmm. say they include Bam. Would you rather have Bam or Pascal? I'd rather have Pascal. Yeah, and Bam. I'm by the way, there. they needed to find a the someone f- to take Ben Simmons first before they can even get Bam.
1: So exactly. No, this is this is where of Where it's like, if they're going to take their time with it, then they they got to move Ben Simmons. If yeah. if they're looking to do a deal soon, then you're probably doing a deal with the Raptors. Well,
0: I hope that happens. But uh, I also know that this thing probably will drag on for at least another week at minimum, I would say. And so uh, I guess content-wise, I guess we're covered. So Vivek, I uh, appreciate you joining me. I'll probably ask you the same question next week or in the coming weeks. <laughs> and uh, in the meantime, I'll see you at uh, OVO for the unveiling of Auto Porter Jr.
1: Yep, sounds good. Take go. care, Will. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you, man. All right.
0: Before we go to break, I want to let you know that if you are in the Toronto area or want to watch some basketball this week, you can catch the inaugural Global Jam Showcase, the first of its kind. Uh, it's an international event. They're taking over the Mattamy Athletic Center from July 5th to 10th, and Sportsnet is serving up full court coverage of the debut men's and women's under-23 basketball showcase. You can catch all the action starting at 11 a.m. Eastern. Ben Shulman Javon Shepard serve you the daytime coverage all week. And uh, tonight, you can watch the doubleheader between the USA and Canada with the women's squad facing off at 6 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet 1, followed by the men's team at 9 p.m. Eastern on Sportsnet and Sportsnet 1 with both games being called by Matt Devlin and Amy Audibert. I got to say, I watched both games yesterday. This is not in the ad read. This is just me speaking from the experience. I was watching both games uh, last night. Um, the women's side, a very competitive game against Belgium. Getting to watch Aliyah Edwards, just uh, just an incredible talent. Honestly, Canada overcoming a bit of a slow first quarter and and winning the game at the end. There, very exciting, very hard fought, and then a, an even better game. I thought on the men's side was um, the Canadians obviously facing off against Brazil, and Brazil apparently had a team, obviously I wasn't that familiar, but, you know, Matt and Amy were telling me on the broadcast, it's a team with a lot of professional players, even though it's an under-23 tournament, a lot of professional players going up against a lot of pretty recognizable names on the Canada side, even if you're more of a casual fan, but you've definitely heard of some of these names. And, um, yeah, to see the way um, Canada's able to sort of, you know, they have control kind of. Heading into halftime, they built a, a decent enough lead. Third quarter, the Brazilians, you know, came back. They were getting every offensive rebound. They're hitting all sorts of threes. It got to be a very, very close game in the fourth quarter, and um, it took a really nice effort. Uh, I thought Marcus Carr played really well. I thought um, the the Miller brothers played really well as well. And um, yeah, it was just really, really fun to watch. And for me, sitting at home, I was like, I could have just made time to go down to Miami and watched it. So. Obviously, I made sure to clear my schedule tonight, so I will also be uh, in the building um, for the two games against, uh, you know, Canada uh, and the USA on both the men's and the women's side. So, seriously, I really highly recommend watching this thing. Uh, It's a a lot of fun, and it really allows you to get familiar with a lot of the up-and-coming talent, Um, obviously from the Canadian perspective, but, you know, basically across the world. Like, we have some really, really talented teams and countries being represented. So... Uh, we are going to take that break. As I said, uh, I'm your host, Wolu, and you've been listening to The Raptor Show on SportsNF. I'm Nani the Fan.
1: The smartest takes on the biggest stories in sports. The Fan Drive Time with Ben Ennis and Steven Brunt. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back to The Raptor Show. On Sportsnet 590, the fan. I'm your host William Lou. Joining me for the second segment is one of my favorite people in the business, zarar Siddiqui, uh, co-founder of Raptors Republic, founder of Arsenalist, and uh, most importantly, the guy who gave me my first shot in this business. So, Zerar, what's going on, man? I'm all good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing. I'm doing well. You know, obviously, I'm on our probably 15 of uh, KD talk. So, what's, you know,
2: what's left to be said,
0: you know, you'd be surprised, you'd be surprised there are. And uh, <laughs> I have prepared more, I guess, <laughs> for us to talk about in the next 20 minutes or so. But uh, no, seriously, it's just good to talk to you. And, um, you know, over the weekend, you know, it's one of those things where when something like this happens, you got to reach out to your Raptor friends and just just get a sense of where they're at. And I texted you and I was like, you know, would you do Scotty for Katie eventually? And you said no and that's fine because I think the Raptors are saying no to Jake Fisher of Bleach Report uh, put out a story today um, and and he includes this note that says multiple sources say the Raptors are unwilling to surrender Scotty Barnes in the trade discussions right now so it seems like the front office is also very much on your side you texted me back I really like Scotty haven't got those feels since Vince which kind of got me thinking about obviously we're only seeing rookie Scotty Barnes so far but how would you compare the level of enthusiasm for scotty right now to when vince first entered
2: as a raptor as a rookie i think they both share the element of surprise between them uh, because i think when we drafted vince uh, nobody quite expected him to be the electric player that he uh, came to be almost immediately uh, and Scotty ha- maybe not as electric as Vince in terms of jumping ability and flair and that sort of stuff mm. uh, has surprised us with his uh with with the ability with his raw skill and how quickly he has turned that skill into actual outcomes on the court usually you you talk about rookies and you talk about oh well next year he's going to develop a mid-range game and the year after he'll develop a handle hell we were in year eight of Demar DeRozan waiting for him to develop a handle so but it happened <laughs> Scotty it, it did happen and and for Scotty it sort of happened in like you know year 1 a lot of those things happened so yeah. uh, i think there's definitely a parallel to be to be drawn there uh, and it's not just uh, it's not just homerism with scotty right it's uh, it's accolades from across the league other gms other players so there's, there's i think there's there's it's e- it's very it's a very easy comparison to say that he's the best rookie we've had uh, you know since vince that's i don't think that's even a that, that a question so there's definitely some, some parallels that are very valid there
0: yeah, no doubt. And, um, you know, again, like I, I think for me, the reason I'm asking this too is because, you know, I came into Raptor fandom like a little bit later on. I'm, I missed like peak Vince years. In fact, like the first year I started, I remember watching the Raptors was the year he was like feigning the injuries and wanting out and all this other stuff. Um, it, basically, superstars have been getting their way in the NBA <laughs> for a very long time. Um, but I, I think in, in the question about Scotty and Vince, I think the, the thing too is just like was one... I guess Vince first became a Raptor, and I, 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 I'm sure there weren't any discussions at that time, but was was it a, a feeling like there's nobody I would trade him for? Because that's kind of the feeling I'm getting from Raptor fans about Scotty. Like I wouldn't. I think if I were to poll Raptor's Twitter right now, I would struggle to find like five or six consensus players that Raptor fans would feel happy about trading Scotty for a one-on-one right
2: now. Is, yeah. is that kind of yeah. the feeling that, that Vince had too? I think I think that's a good point uh, because I think with Vince, you wouldn't find anybody uh, who would uh, who would trade Vince at the time. But that also has to do with the poverty of the franchise preceding Vince versus what's, what Scotty is now. I think sure. the people who are who are saying that they're comfortable trading Scotty is only because well, they have uh, Pascal Siakam and uh, Fred Van Vleet and other good players on the roster, if you traded Vince back in the day, you had uh, I don't know. Sharon Wright. <laughs> so it's a, it's 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 sort of apples and oranges when it comes to yeah. like who's who's who who you're willing to trade. But in terms of excitement, easily, I mean, Scotty has, uh, I think, rejuvenated my long term enthusiasm for this franchise. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when you look at Fred Van Vliet and uh, and Pascal Siakam, they sort of represent the next. You know, maybe I don't know, depending on how you look at uh, windows, maybe two to four years or two to five years. But Scotty projects out like over. A five to ten year span so he's definitely a a a, maybe not a he's definitely a deeper anchor point when you're trying to build this franchise than than the two guys that i mentioned so i think that there's some differences there
0: yeah i I think you know i'm really happy you brought that up because i think that's probably the one point even though we're on hour 15 of kd discussions is just like i haven't really thought about the long-term prospects of the franchise just of the organization in general and as you mentioned and I, i read your piece on raptors public as well it's very good um on on this topic, and the point you made there was the point you just made, which is that you have your current core right now and you have your current leaders, but then right afterwards, you have a very natural transition point to Scotty, And it's like the team build right now makes a lot of sense. The question is, can this team build eventually get to a championship level? But sometimes I think it, it's... To, to say that the championship is the only thing that matters is technically true because that is what all the teams are playing for, but also at the same time, What matters most matters, but then what matters after that also matters, which I know sounds very silly to think just to say as a statement, but like you have Scotty right now and the team build right now where you have some sort of transition point three, four years down the line if you need to make that move right now. I think the Raptors are in a position where they don't have any pressure to make this trade, which I think probably helps Masai in some of his leverage. I think the other question to think about, obviously in terms of the championship contention is would the Raptors be a championship contender if they flipped up, let's say, two or three starters into Kevin Durant? And I think your answer to that was still, they probably still don't get past Boston.
2: Well, so there's there's two questions there, right? So the first, I definitely agree that the time is on the Raptor side. Uh, our status quo is better than the net status quo. So that alone should tell you in any negotiation who has the upper hand. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the fact that uh, Kevin Durant has handed in a, a trade request also puts pressure on the nets. I mean, if that information wasn't public, maybe we'd be in a better, maybe they'd be in a better place, but they're not. Uh, so definitely, I, I, think, I think we should bide our time. I think... Uh, as, as time passes, the amount of offers that uh, the Nets will receive will, I would say, decline in quantity, I want to say. Just because if somebody was really chomping at the bits and making this deal, they would have offered something to the Nets already and they would have bid on it. But, you know, maybe Sean Marks is biding his time. I don't know. But the second point about uh, does, does getting Kevin Durant make us a championship team, you know, our, our center position is still unaddressed to me. Mm. And uh, much like when we did the uh, Leonard trade, we then got Gasol because we had enough assets to fill a, you know a pretty significant you know need in the cent- in, in the center spot. the same is true today. I'm not sure the Raptors will have enough assets to make that secondary move to tie up the remaining gaps in this roster to mm. get us to a championship team. Uh, you know if you if you trade picks and let's say, uh, you know, um, you know Gary Trent Jr. and OG are being talked about. If they go the other way, now you get Kevin Durant. Okay, now you want to you want to fill a center spot or you want to fill some uh, ball handling need. What are you gonna do? Like, where? You, what asset are you gonna trade away to to address that? Are you just gonna right. hope that the current status, the the current roster, sort of develops that capability? I don't know. I, I honestly don't have the, have the answer to that. But but I do know that it's a it's a risk that did not exist in the Leonard situation because we had. Purdle and JV on the roster.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's true. And and honestly, I think for a lot of fans, like make the comparison to the Kauai trade. I mean, that was such a good trade. It's just hard to expect that as the standard for every single trade. Like, it's like if it's not as like ideal as that trade was. And by the way, even at that time, I, I remember a lot of people being so upset. In fact, I remember running into like season ticket holders and having conversations with them during that season, the regular season. And I was like, um, so like, yeah, they they traded you know Demar for for Kawhi, and they were just like, I would never forgive the front office for that. I will never forgive Masai for doing that. And of course, I, I do, I do wonder like what they would have said, obviously in hindsight, seeing how that turned out. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's it's a hard sand to to, to to get to. But I agree with you. I think so in terms of the Raptors' general team building strategy, then right? Because my interpretation of it has been this: It's just Raptors obviously draft. They, they obviously they, they scout really well they bring them into the organization, they give them roles, and they, if they are obviously dedicated enough to the work, they become really, really good players. They get paid. The Raptors will pay them. And then they're able to, if they choose to, flip those p- pieces into essentially disgruntled stars. Because basically stars aren't just signing in Toronto. That's just something that has not happened yet and probably won't happen in the future either. Is that team build, I mean, given that strategy, like, wouldn't Kevin Durant trading for Kevin Durant right now kind of fit that team strategy, or are you saying maybe it's like it's a little bit too early
2: in the process to be doing that? I mean, the Raptors are like completely vertically integrated as a franchise. Like okay. they they Explain. they sort of they sort of have this system built where you can get in guys really young and raw, and then because of the nine hundred five, because of their coaching ability and their, their overall strategy as a franchise, you can see that player through. To Pascal Siakam and Fred Van Vliet. so it's it's almost like you source the player very early on, and then you develop it, and then you turn them into stars. It's a, it's a nice little system that they have here. Would acquiring Kevin Durant, uh, you know, affect that? No, I, I don't think it will. But I think there's a related point here: is that if you look at right uh, the Raptors right now, they're sort of covered, you know, in the short term, in the in the near term, and in the long term just based on how their roster is structured. If you get Kevin Durant, you're sort of giving up the long-term certainty of, you're giving up a long-term floor that you kind of know exists if, if you trade away some of your young assets. So you're sacrificing, I'd say, your medium-term to long-term strategy a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, because this franchise has been so good at drafting, it's less of a risk than if we had a different GM who was not capable of making good draft picks. And right. in, in the article that, 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 that I wrote, I, I made the, the the counter, you know, the argument that I made is that it, it, you got to see who is making the draft picks. If it was like, you know, Rob Babcock making the draft picks, you would look at draft picks a different way than if it was Messiah Jiu making the draft picks. Yep. So. Uh, by giving up assets, you're not, and I'm trying to argue against myself here, right? By giving up uh, assets, you may not be sacrificing too much because your franchise is good at drafting. Will you hit Scotty Barn jackpot twice? I don't know, but it's less of a risk than, uh, than maybe for some other teams.
0: Fair enough. Yeah, and and to the point about on Brooklyn side, um, the reports now, uh, Jake Fisher mentioned it, but also Sean's mentioned this, it could take weeks, if not months. Could take the remainder of the off season. Which I I mean, honestly, if the best offer on the table, let's say from the Raptors side, hypothetically is like OG plus Gary plus four picks. Like I if I were Brooklyn, I would wait. Cause like in September I get that same deal. Maybe other teams eventually step up their offers as well. But I guess there's no pressing need to make this trade absolutely right now, especially with Katie on the books for four years. It's not like his trade value will ever really decline. Um, you know, at least this season alone. But um yeah, I mean, in that scenario, I guess, Zora, like, are we just going to be talking about this as people who cover the Raptors, like, every day? Like, are, are we, when do people stop scrolling? Like, I don't know about you. Are you constantly scrolling Twitter? Are you, you know, every five minutes thinking about maybe, you know, this or that about Kevin Durant? Like, I actually want to know your health as a Raptor fan.
2: Uh, no, I no, I don't. I don't scroll Twitter uh, at all. I mean, wow. they invented notifications about ten years ago. So since then, I don't need to uh, worry about scrolling and refreshing. <laughs> but, but, but I, but I do. Uh, I don't think it's going to last months because the okay. Nets also want, uh, you know, some finality here. I think uh, they want a conclusion. Kevin Durant wants a conclusion. I don't think it helps them dragging this out for. For too long so I uh, you know as you said in your in your intro this might drag another week maybe two weeks uh, I don't see it going past that to be honest with you
0: fair enough and this is the time to make a deal uh, most of the executives in the league are in summer league right now uh, at Vegas
2: there you uh, go.
0: so you know this is also the same timeline when Kawhi was moved for example was partially because of the the meetings that take place in Vegas uh, at every year around this time around summer league I mean look listen if there's no trade Do you think people will be disappointed at all? Or do you think it would be a rational point for anyone to be disappointed if no trade was ultimately made for Kevin Durant and the Raptors just brought back the same team they have right now?
2: That's the thing. I I don't think people will be disappointed because our current state is pretty damn good. Mm. Uh, And, uh, you know, Kevin Durant is more icing on the cake rather than an absolute need this franchise has right now. And and the parallel, again, with with the Kawhi Leonard trade is that I think if the Kawhi Leonard trade hadn't happened people would be more disappointed because the DeMar-Kyle team had sort of maxed out. It was at right. its ceiling and people were kind of tired of watching the same show over and over again. So maybe there, there was a sense of like almost just getting tired with the team and you know what you're going to get. Here, we don't know what we're going to get. All we know all we know is that Scotty's going to get better. Pascal's going to get better. So things are only going to go, are only going to improve here. That wasn't the case with the Leonard trade. So I, I don't think people will be upset. Uh, like if you've sold your that the Raptors are absolutely in the mix for Kevin Durant, and they don't get Kevin Durant. I think this is where you kind of, kind of trust uh, Basai. Hate to say that uh, to just know that he the deal was not good for the franchise. Mm-hmm. I think I think that that's a that's the thing with this management team that we've had for the last few years is that you can trust them to make these fifty fifty decisions uh, and and get them right.
0: Yeah, and you know they will do it too. I mean, like I think that's the. One of the enduring legacies of that Kawhi trade is like, if you if they need to make that hard decision, they will do it and they will make it as so long as it's the right move for the team. And that's where I'm like, I'm not I'm not too pressed because I think the both outcomes are are pretty decent. Honestly, even obviously you, you assume that they don't give up everything for Kevin. I don't think they need to in this situation because I don't think that anyone else's bidding is is, is that high to the point where you need to give up all your sort of um, desirable players, but if the outcomes are you either get Kevin Durant or you just roll back this team that has the rookie of the year on it, has five two-way players in the starting lineup who are all scoring more than 15 points per game, and you have an all-star returning, you have Pascal come coming off an all-NBA-type season, Nick Nurse obviously is a very, very good coach, and obviously we'll see how um, the Raptors make that next jump into contention, but you know both outcomes look pretty good to me, and I guess... You know, if if I were to ask you that one last question, it would just be like, how would the Raptors make that jump into contention? Do you see that sort of jump already built within the roster right now? Or do you still see that maybe it's not Kevin right now because the timing's not great or the situation's not great, but maybe down the line, they still ended up making that sort of like players that we've grown for players that have already reached that superstar status.
2: Yeah, I I think, you know, we're we're talking about something ridiculous, like four picks, Gary and OG. Uh, Now, if you just take half of those assets and you try to parlay them into people you actually need to contend right now and plug maybe the center hole better or get some three-point shooting, Hmm. uh, I think that's a completely viable strategy and probably easier to execute, I'd say, even or maybe not easier to execute cuz Kevin, Kevin Durant is like one trade and then you got to do a couple here but but th- that's a strategy you can use the same assets that you were going to go towards Kevin Durant and do a bunch of other things uh like getting a center like getting some three point shooting i know we got Otto Porter already but you know improve some ball handling so th- that's perfectly viable and i think most fans will be happy with that because mm. they know the floor of this team they got some exciting talent there's only positive things you can say about the raptors so as i said you know at the start uh Time is on the Raptors' side. if the nets don't want to make a deal i wouldn't necessarily call it opportunity missed uh from the Raptors' perspective fair
0: enough all right Zarrar, appreciate you joining me on the program. miss talking to you you know people don't know the first
2: ever podcast I did was with you and because of you actually you yeah that? I think it was a uh, I, I think we did a uh, i think we started the it was the like Lebronto Cav series we started doing post game podcasts. Uh, we definitely did those
0: i think yeah. that might be even 2017 we
2: we did yeah, that, yeah that was later that was But later. even yeah. before that yeah. we
0: were doing raptors weekly and um and i think it was me you and andrew uh andrew thompson and then i think you were getting a degree or something and you were like <laughs> i need someone to host the podcast and i was like i'm gonna do it and eventually launch my career and you gave me my first ever uh yeti oh. USB microphone, and, uh, you know, it's it's just changed my life. So I appreciate you eternally, Zerar. You're the best, man. Appreciate you. All right. Well, we have, uh, you know, wrapped up enough Kevin Durant discussion for today. At least we'll see if there's more news tomorrow. Honestly, I would honestly, because this is such an unprecedented situation, I would actually really like some feedback from fans in terms of, like, is this too much? Have we covered all the angles? Do you want to talk about something other than Kevin Durant tomorrow? Let me know, please, because... <laughs> Thank you, producer. Uh, yeah, because honestly, it is kind of weird to go through a whole week and talk about some sort of hypothetical that the Raptors don't even have firm links uh, tying them to this player. But then again, you know, it's also the off season, And uh, obviously, we'll bring you other content. But right now, that's what you got, so... That does it for us today. I'm your host, Will Lou. You've been listening to The Raptor Show on Sports FM 90 The Fan. Make sure you find The Raptor Show wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe and please rate and review our show. A reminder, we're streaming live on Sportsnet's YouTube channel and airing live on Sportsnet 360 Monday to Friday from 2 to 3 p.m. Thanks again to my guests, Vivek Jacob and Zarar Siddiqui, our board producer, Derek Brandale, and Jennifer Olnick for helping us with the YouTube stream. I'll be back tomorrow.